Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Like so much else in our lives, the coronavirus outbreak fundamentally changed how food and beverage brands are connecting with consumers, from abruptly halting live sampling and in-store promotions to altering the types of messaging consumers want to hear. Early in the pandemic, the lack of promotions, samplings, and other marketing opportunities didn't pack much of a punch for established brands and companies already on the shelf, as their primary focus was simply keeping stores stocked and supply chains moving. But for new players and products, the marketing moratorium led to some devastating losses. Over time, this impact on the market share of restricted marketing became even more pronounced for all players as consumer loyalty shifted to new brands that they tried for lack of options during stockouts or legacy brands they knew and trusted. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, marketing executives with Casper's Ice Cream share how their approach to advertising and consumer engagement has evolved during the pandemic including some surprising traction with old-school tactics, tips on working with micro-influencers, and how to safely and effectively leverage events and sponsorships when large gatherings are off the table, but consumers still crave connections and hope for a brighter future. The company also shares its approach for relaunching a boutique brand after the coronavirus outbreak forced it to pull back on its initial debut last year, a story all too familiar for many industry newcomers and new products looking to break out in 2020. So according to data from Chicago-based market research firm IRI, dollar sales of ice cream and sherbet soared 13.4% to $6.8 billion, while sales of frozen novelties like ice cream sandwiches and cones made by Casper's climbed even higher with a 16% increase to $5.7 billion during the pandemic for the 52 weeks ending September 6, 2020. As Casper's Ice Cream VP of Marketing and Sales Keith Laws explains, much of this growth was fueled by people seeking comfort and fun from products like Casper's Fat Boy Ice Cream Sandwiches or Jolly Llama Gluten and Dairy-Free Cones, while still staying safe during the pandemic. There was a lot of fear at the beginning of, okay, what's this going to mean to to us and our employees, you know, and how are we going to, you know, get through it? Fortunately, when everybody stayed home, then that, you know, caused that run on the grocery stores and, and those products that were in distribution, um, they became, you know, hard to come by in the stores. So, so we really had to ramp up production and keep it going. And so then... Then the, the fight was, how do we keep our employees healthy enough and make the work environment safe so that everybody can come and continue to make food and, you know, fill orders, you know, for the consumers out there so they have things to enjoy during the, you know, during the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, sales really went up um, for those items that we did have in distribution and um, reviewing it, I think, you know, there was a real fear, you know, of, you know, what's safe and what's not. And um, we found that, you know, our novelties really seem to take off. And if it's because, hey, it's each one's individually wrapped and there's, you know, you're not sharing, 
um, items. It's you know a single serve type product in the box. Um, those things I think tend to um, lend to that feeling of you know that the product's safe and that you know you're not you're not sharing and um, spreading things around. So so for us, um, our our biggest challenge during it was keeping our employees healthy and feeling that they were safe, you know, when they came to work, that the environment was safe and that, you know, and, and then keeping that ice cream moving out the door and getting distributed to the stores. So, Well, the pandemic lifted sales of Casper's Fat Boy and Jolly Llama branded products that were already in distribution. Laws explains that it negatively impacted the launch of Casper's new line of boutique style novelties, branded as Churn Baby. When the pandemic first started, um, it, it kind of threw everything for a loop because right when it started is where the normal, all the grocery stores are doing their reset. So all the new items that you've launched for the year, you're starting to build those so you can send them out. And just as you're, just as we're getting started, everything kind of shut down. And so stores didn't do their resets like they were going to. So so we ended up with a lot of inventory of new items that were just launching that never got to the shelf. Um, we tried to move as much as we could. We've, we've tried some marketing in the stores that did take it. You know, we've been trying to, you know, um, do sales on it. And then there's some stuff that we've just kind of had to go, you know, basically sell it, you know, at, at, at those at distress outlets and things like that. So, um there were a lot of, um, if somebody was holding some sort of an event, which there weren't very many, um, we did donations. We did a lot of donations to food banks in the area. We just took those products and just called as many food banks as we could and like, hey, who, do you guys need things? So especially during the holidays when, when there was a big demand on a lot of the food banks in the area, we took trailers down and had employees down there to help. Um, those uh, air, those uh, organizations hand out ice cream to them. So we did a lot of that. Despite the false start and the ongoing SKU rationalization that many retailers initiated early in the pandemic and have yet to fully let up, Casper's is preparing to relaunch Churn Baby this spring. Joby Parker, president of Cover 3 Creative and fractional chief marketing officer for Casper's Ice Cream, explains that the new line is niche and innovative enough that he believes it will meet retailers' higher innovation bar for new products and increase basket ring by reaching a set of consumers currently underserved. It's um, actually following the trend of boutique ice cream shops. Um, we felt like there uh, was a great demand um, and a great growth in um, uh, boutique ice cream shops all around the country. Um, and uh, especially in ones that, you know, that can kind of make uh, little custom uh, big fat ice cream sandwiches with fun inclusions and, and um, uh, things that they would roll the sandwich in, like Fruity Pebbles and, and things like that. Um, so we felt like um, that was an area that was not being um, tended to in the retail. Um, so Churn Baby, uh, we've launched with um, – uh, a, a brand new innovation in the ice cream world, which is a, what we call a cookie cup. Um, and uh, it's a small little cup of ice cream, but there's an entire cookie on top of it. So you actually have to dig through the cookie to get to the ice cream. And then that's one product of Churn Baby. And then the other, 
the other SKU is, uh, well, other items that there's two SKUs, is um, a very high-end um, ice cream sandwich that's a smaller portion um, but very indulgent. And we have caramel cashew with a it has a, a caramel ice cream with cashew in it with a shortbread shortbread cookie um, that it's sandwiched in between. And then the other one is caramel cookies and cream, um, which is two double dark fudge cookies with uh, caramel cookies and cream ice cream in it. Because it literally was going to launch right as all of COVID hit, is we've in essence decided that we're going to just relaunch it in, in, uh, very similarly as if we had never launched it. Um, uh, we Obviously the tone of marketing changed quite drastically, um, uh, you know, from from the language and the, and the energy you would be putting into a new brand and all the excitement, you know, when everybody was worried about uh, what was happening around the world, you know, that language just didn't feel comfortable anymore. And so, you know, we had to peel back on a lot of that and kind of hold it in reserve. And so um, really what we're doing this spring is uh, relaunching that with the same excitement that we would have last year. Laws added that the launch also demonstrates how Caspers can be a good partner for retailers by offering an assortment of churn baby products that will drive velocity and sales at a disproportionate rate for the shelf space that it needs. So as far as skew rationalization goes, um, our sales team and our manufacturing team, we've really gotten together and analyzed our products and just said what, what really sells and what doesn't. Um, we have a lot of competitors and, and there's a lot of brands out there that, you know, they'll launch, you know, 20 SKUs, you know, and, and rotate through and do things like that. But that's, we don't feel that's really what the buyers are looking for. So we're trying to kind of be more of a partner with them and really want to give them items that are going to move. And so we've kind of, we've been going through and doing our own SKU rationalization and saying, okay, let's make sure that when we present to buyers that we're presenting items that are not just going to fill the shelf, but are actually going to be moving. And so we've decided, okay, what can we fit on the shelf? And when we go in, we don't want, you know, an entire door of products. We know that, you know, you need to share the space, you know, with items that move. And we just, feel like that we have items that will do that. And so we're like, you know, we're asking for more like a shelf or two, um, depending on, you know, the brand and basically saying, we're going to give you items that, that we know can be successful. And, and, um, so that we'll put money, you know, behind it and they can put their efforts behind it and, and we'll all be successful rather than just dumping in SKUs to take up space. So, while Caspers pursues distribution for its new brand, it's also actively supporting its Fat Boy and Jolly Llama brands with a hybrid marketing approach that taps into the digital revolution while simultaneously staying grounded in real life with old school marketing tactics, events, and sponsorships. Parker explains that as Caspers scales to become a nationally distributed brand, it is embracing a message that it believes will resonate with consumers across the country, which is America loves Fat Boy and Fat Boy loves America back. Really, the Fat Boy brand has just grown from a regional brand to a very national brand. And so we've been really trying to think about how can we capture that um, in a way that's not um, boastful in, in any way, but more of a way that, that 
ties us to all the people that love our um, product. And so um, the the language and the and the direction that we're going here forward is just that America loves Fat Boy. Um, our colors are very red, white, and blue. Our the people that run our uh, the 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 owners Paul Merrill and our president Kyle Smith and all the executive team are extremely um, extremely patriotic people um, that love uh, this country. The company is demonstrating its patriotism through partnerships that support first responders and veterans and by sponsoring a NASCAR, which some might consider a bit divisive in this moment in time, but has worked well for Caspers. We're trying to show, um, you know, America loves Fatboy, and we're trying to show that Fatboy loves America back. Um, we've partnered with um, Tunnel to Towers, um, which is a, um, uh, a charity out of New York City um, that was started by um, one of the firefighters, um, that um, he was, um, he had just gotten off work and had just gone through the Brooklyn Tunnel when the first plane hit. And obviously traffic was all shut down and everything, and so he put on his 60 pounds worth of gear and ran back through the Brooklyn Tunnel into the towers and gave his life that day in the towers. And we have partnered with them um, and they do really special things, like they, they build and um, they build um, homes for um, like uh, like our our veterans who have been um, have had um, legs amputated and things like that from IEDs and things like that. They build smart homes for them, or they'll go in and they, even a local person here that only lived about an hour from here um, died in um, Afghanistan, and his uh, they came in and paid off the mortgage of his family um, and. So for every home dedication, we give a, we give the home a brand new freezer, and um, fill it full of fat boys. So we're just trying to make more of a connection with um, America in general. Um, we appreciate the love that's brought into us, and we want to show that love back. We're tying that into our NASCAR sponsorship this year. NASCAR gives us a very strategic advantage um, from Texas all the way to the southeast um, with such a strong following. But the thing that we have found is that um, even though uh, in-person attendance of, of events at that size, even though in-person attendance was down, the dedication and the loyalty of the fans to those type of um, events was actually increased. And it's because those things made people feel comfortable. They made people feel normal. Um, so even if they couldn't actually go to the, to the race, and we were only in a couple of them last year, but even though they couldn't go there, their following um, was even more religious, you know, over the television and, and, and things like that because, it, you know, there was a sense of, uh, of nothing's going to, you know, we're not going to surrender to something and nothing's going to make us so that we can't still enjoy the things that we do. And so um, our sponsorship um, in there was, was obviously strategically to gain some brand recognition in certain parts of the country, um, but what we found was um, the love and outreach from, in particular when you talk about NASCAR, the love and outreach from the NASCAR faithful was, uh, was actually incredible um, for people understanding that this was a hard time. And, and um, for, uh, for, uh, we literally had people reaching out to us on, on Twitter and things like that, thanking us for sponsoring um, in this hard time. 
um, and offering loyalty to the brand because of it as we start to move into a post-COVID world. We're not there yet by any means. Um, you know, we're just excited to be part of everyday America again because that's exactly how Fatboy got all started. When you talk about 1925, Casper used to take those uh, the ice cream bars that he made and he would take them to the 4th of July parade and sell them, and that's where it all started. And so we find it very important to not only be a part of the community as far as selling ice cream, but part of it uh, just in general. And Keith mentioned before, like the things that we've done for the um, food pantries, um, and we do community service as part of it. Um, and, uh, and, and so being a part of that community and, and moving forward with, with events is, is going to be part of what we do forever. Um, the other thing that we do that's very traditional is um, uh, we still do outdoor advertising across the, across the country uh, using things like digital boards where we can rotate the message out really at a moment's notice if we want to and be very um, nimble. But what we have found is that um, in, in today's world of digital marketing, which we do a ton of, um, uh, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that is driven um, for people that can purchase online. And obviously, ice cream becomes extremely interesting when you try to sell something online because of the shipping and the cold shipping becomes extremely expensive. The best option for everybody is still to go to a store. And so the the puzzle that we have tried to, to put together is how can we drive people from a digital marketing world um, and, and create brand awareness in, in those worlds where, where we know we can reach them uh, targeting demographic and so on and so forth digitally. How can we step them from the digital world all the way into a store, um, into a grocery store to pick up our product and add it because of the touches that we've given them and that's really um, the reason that we've, um, we still think that there's a lot of traditional media that's uh, very effective in that. But it's, we don't feel like any of it works um, alone on an island. So. While the company leverages these old school tactics, it is by no means stuck in the past when it comes to marketing. As illustrated by its embrace of 400, 400 micro-influencers who are the backbone of the company's digital campaign. Parker explains that teaming with micro-influencers is more work than partnering with a handful of big-name celebrities, but he says the approach better represents Casper's values, and when done right, can offer brands more bang for the marketing buck. Um, frankly, it would be a far easier job for us if we just picked a few big ones and kind of got behind them. Um, uh, however, we don't feel like that's what Fatboy is about. Fatboy is more about the everyday American and um, we currently manage uh, over 400 micro-influencers for Fatboy. It's a lot of work. Um, but they're very loyal to us in what they do, and um, they also provide us, uh, they provide us content and um, personality to the brand that I don't, think, I don't think we could get by just choosing a few large uh, celebrities. You know, we may get a little bang for the buck, um, with their following, but I think we get that same bang for the buck in volume um, with our micro-influencing plan. Um, <clears throat> and we do have some, you know, middle size and things like that. And, and as each day goes by, we, we flirt and, and play with, um, you know, a larger and larger following um, group of influencers. But I don't think we'll ever leave the micro-influencing world 
Um, I think the I think the the public that interact with these influencers, I think they take it um, far more seriously, um, far more um, uh, endearing and, and genuine is the word I'm looking at. Far more genuine as we reach out through the veins of America and just do it on a micro influencer level instead of um, picking you know one or two celebrities to back the brand. Managing a lot of them isn't it isn't cheap. It's not inexpensive by any means. Um, we obviously try to drive as many as we can through um, to compensate through products, of course. Um, but really, we only it's it's a fairly small percentage of influencers that we use that are product only. But we negotiate with our influencers because we say, hey, we want to be a long-term partner with you. You know, a lot of influencers will have like a rate a rate card, and they say this is much how much we charge to post and things like that. And we say, well, we respect that, um, but, you know, what if we're going to be posting with you for, you know, two years and maybe more to come? You know, like where, where, can, we, where can we meet in the middle? And, you, you know, you can have a, a great partner for long term. And so uh, negotiating with influencers is number one. And, and for like a small entrepreneur, um, we do utilize some software um, that helps us to search, negotiate, and manage those, um, those contracts um, with them. But most importantly, we're able to assess their effectiveness. Um, we, we have like a scoring system that rates their engagement um, and uh, makes sure we kind of have some standards that um, when a new influencer posts for us and things like that, have they met these certain standards for us to be able to engage again. Um, and so uh, even though we've gone through a lot of influencers that haven't quite met those and we've been very grateful for what they've done, over the time we've been able to really collect a pool of very, very effective influencers for us. They love working with us because they know that they're going to get some steady work over the year. And we love working with them uh, because of the powerful content. They're very talented at what they do. And we're really not looking um, for influencers. You know, the days of influencers of, hey, I'm going to post for this, here's a code or whatever, and go make the purchase. Those days really have gone for, they're, they've been gone for years now. Um, really what we use influencers for is to, is to, you know, replace a lot of standard advertising media and also to drive content for us. They can take pictures that we can't take without large photo shoot um, crews. But more importantly, a lot of the stuff that we post on social media, we don't want it to look and feel as processed as a professional photo shoot. We want it to look and feel real, and that's what these influencers give us. It's everyday, uh, high-quality content, whether it's themselves, themselves and their family, amazing shots of our product, um, uh, location shooting. Um, we really uh, leverage them to drive um, the brand uh, throughout the entire country and show that we have reached throughout the entire country. Obviously, we do things like through our digital ads. We give people coupons. We run contests. We things like that, trying to drive trial so that um, when they learn about the brand and they're like, man, that looks yummy. I would like to try a Fat Boy ice cream sandwich. We give them an incentive to do so. The next time they're into their store, um, they're able to try it. And then the last part of that is the, the very end of the store is we, uh, we've really taken a push to initiative to be participants of all these stores' online ordering, um, to be giving coupons, um, things like Instacart, um, and then obviously 
these chains all a lot of them have their own online ordering system that offers coupons and things like that and we participate in that very heavily as well so that that's kind of the last step to somebody picking up the product off of the off the freezer door is okay I've seen it on digital media I've seen it on a billboard or on NASCAR now I'm in my store and I'm looking through I'm trying to add whether I'm whether I'm ordering from home online and I'm going to go pick it up or they're going to deliver it or whether I'm in the store and I'm in my rewards program uh, now here's a coupon for fat boy and uh, man you know what I've seen that I've been wanting to try it I'm going to give it a try as Casper's balances online and offline marketing Parker notes that the company is taking a deep dive into digital analytics to track the efficacy of its campaigns to not only ensure that its marketing dollars are well spent, but to show retailers that the company is a good partner that will help drive foot traffic and sales. With that, we reach the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.